And we are live. Welcome, everyone. This is the MMA UK Late Show, the mental health special. Um, I'm with my co-host, Peter Knox. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, Kay. Nice to be here with another important subject like we did last week. We're turning a real serious show now. I know. <laughs> Don't worry, people. We'll be back to doing something weird next week, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but let me introduce my fabulous guest. We've got Aaron Woodward. All right, guys, how's it going? Nice to see you. You as well. We've got David Galbraith. All right, guys. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. And we've got Glenn Williams. Hi, Glenn. What's going down? All right, Katie, how are you? I'm trying to drag you on every show we do. Scared of my gun, eh? But I enjoy it, i well, I think the reason that we're all on together is because we've all voiced interest in this subject. We've we're all invested in it and really want to raise awareness and um, just do everything that we can to to help and support people who are going through a tough time. Um, obviously, with lockdown, there's even more people who are suffering at the moment. Um, so. We've got a number that we're going to put up if, if anybody needs to speak to anyone. But I just wanted to speak to these guys about their stories and, and why they're interested in this. And I've just realised, Peter, that um, I forgot to yes. <laughs> give a shout out to our amazing sponsors before we move on to something <laughs> more serious. Yeah, the MMA UK Late Show is sponsored by Fight Fuel. Fight Fuel is a supplement and clothing company founded by martial artists, for martial artists and all combat sport athletes. The aim of the company is to supply supplements and clothing of the highest standard to all fighters and warriors so you can train, perform and win. Thank you, Fight Fuel. <laughs> You're important to me, really. <laughs> but Aaron, I want to come to you first of all yeah. because last weekend you did something absolutely phenomenal for charity. You ran two marathons back to back. It was an incredible achievement. How are you feeling? Um, I'm still really, really sore, to be honest. I mean, it was crazy because the day after, <laughs> I did the double marathons and then the day after the money, I had a rest day and then Tuesday, I felt fantastic and I decided to go for a 10 mile run. Which, oh, nutter. <laughs> which was the biggest mistake of my life because my body just wasn't ready. And my body felt like it was ready, but it wasn't. And then I've just been aching all over. Oh, my goodness. So did you lose any toenails or anything like that yet? Uh, no, I got quite a few blisters. Um, my nipples <laughs> were chafing, which are horrible. Um, my back was bleeding from my bag. Yeah, oh, I'm wow. still dripping down my back. Still got scabs on my back. Uh, got scabs in between my thighs. Um, there's a there's a, a muscle as well underneath your foot called your plantar fasciitis, I think it's called. Yeah, and that's just really extremely inflamed at the minute. Um, if if, if it don't stretch it out every morning, I struggle to walk on my feet uh, at the moment. But yeah, I got quite a few injuries. But what's that to the money we raised? Yeah, it's amazing. I think like you're just below your target at the moment. Is that well, right? Well, did, did, did you know something? I set my target off at £100, but every time yeah. it got above the target, I just kept upping it and upping it up and upping it. So I didn't really have a target. It was just every time I hit that target, I would put, let's say it was at 700 I'd put it at a grand. When it got to a grand, I'd put it at 1200 and then to 1500 I just constantly kept putting it up. And to be honest, I didn't even think I was going to make £50. Pounds. Never mind, £1,400. Oh, you've, 
You've done amazing, but the, your page is still open and we're going to put a yep. link, the link up so that um, people can still donate because oh. you did it for Calm, didn't you? For Calm, so indeed, yeah. Uh, it's mostly a male mental health charity. So t tell me why you wanted to do that for them. Um, obviously, everyone knows, uh, a lot of people know the backstory anyway. Uh, I tried to commit suicide in February, 18th February to be exact. Um, I was in hospital for a month, month and a half. I got out, uh, I moved back to Wigan from Derby. And then, yeah, and then what I was doing, I was like, I really want to help people. And what, what I started to do at first, I thought everything was trial and error. So I said to myself, right, I'll do some videos. and try to Every time I was doing these videos, I was, always, I was bringing flashbacks to myself. It was making me feel terrible. Um, so, so one day I just woke up and I said to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do a double marathon. <laughs> at, first I, at first I said to myself, I'm going to do a single marathon. But I thought, you know what? A lot of people do just a single marathon. I thought I really want to push the ball out there because I know I'm so mentally resilient. So I said to myself, I'll do a double marathon. And the furthest I'd ever run before I did the double marathon was 8.2 miles. <laughs> so I'd actually never even run a half marathon. You know, I even started doing doubles. So I had three weeks of training. Um, and yeah, basically, from after doing the first marathon, it was all just mental. That second marathon was mental toughness. It was just being driven, driven to get it done and dusted. Because uh, I twisted my ankle two miles in as well in the second marathon. That's yeah, so I, had to, I had to walk 24 miles. I had to walk for 24 miles. It took me about seven hours, I think. Oh my god! And yeah. like I, so yeah, you said a lot of people have run a single marathon. I've done that, and I know how I felt the next day. I just cannot imagine. I felt like I had two broken ankles. So I can't imagine. That's what up I felt like Sunday morning. Putting on the same <laughs> trainers. <laughs> it, it was uh was terrible. But the thing was, I'm I'm, I'm so mentally strong that I can get past that stage when I'm walking or like jogging, I can put myself in kind of an out-of-body experience um, to the fact where I don't even really feel anything. And I'm just solely focusing on the task ahead and that's it. And pain doesn't really come into it. Um, probably until about three miles from finishing the second marathon where I started to hallucinate. <laughs> I started to oh see things and it was freaking me out. Um, so I had to stop putting myself into that zone and just focus on what's around me. Um, for the last couple of miles, with that last couple of miles, I was in absolute agony, absolute agony. What do you credit that mental strength to? Um, probably everything that's gone in my life. Probably losing my mum such a young age at seventeen. I've had a sister who's took her own life. Um, my granddad died when I was twenty-three. I was stabbed. He was stabbed. I've had a cousin who's took his own life. Um, me and my ex-partner had a miscarriage. I've had all these things in my life and it's just made me so mentally tough that at any challenge that I do, that's nothing compared to what I've been through in here. Yeah. To, to, what, I, to what I've had to go through. The craft. But I, I, I've had two choices, me, Katie. I could have easily gone down the path of taking drugs and ruining my life or I could have stood up to myself and done something about it. That's exactly what I did. Unfortunately, I had a bit of a blip in February, but as soon as I came out of hospital, I just felt like a completely reinvigorated person. I felt like I needed that. You know what I mean? I felt like I was okay before then, but yeah. then I realised that I wasn't. And putting me in hospital made me realise that it's okay. I know it's a cliche, but it's okay not to be okay. 
it's incredible the turnaround and it's, it's really inspiring for other people and I know that you're not just stopping at the two marathons you've you said that you've got another challenge that you're going to set yourself and it's even bigger. Yeah, I mean, I, I will give a little insight into it, um, but I've still not fully got all the details yet. Um, okay. Skyfell Pike, um, there's a route on there. I think it's 1,200 feet. I'm just going to run up there twice uh, in the weekend. It's before it's four miles altogether, but it's a pure elevation. Um, obviously, it's a, a lot more of a tougher challenge, but... Um, I've got a lot more training in for this one. So I'm going to really prepare uh, my body um, and my mind as well because I meditate every day as well. Um, and yeah, that's my next challenge. But I'm just obviously Facebook have banned me for 30 days, but that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> um, and I've got a guy who used to, when I used to work with him on a UK, when I used to work with UK Fighting Championships, he used to do our posters. And um, he's kindly absolutely been amazing to donate to make my fight posters well not my fight posters but to make uh, my challenge posters for me free of charge yeah oh they look really amazing as well yeah. so do you, do you have a date in mind for this yeah i mean i've got a uh, end of august beginning of september um i'll pull a, I'll, I'll put a proper date on but i'm just hoping it's not going to be the same weather as it was last week because last week was absolutely horrific it yeah. was windy it was hammering it down. I was on the canal, which made it even colder because <laughs> obviously the cold from the canal. Yeah. Uh, it was, the terrain was so muddy. It was unreal. I was slipped. That, that's why I twisted my ankle because I slipped on mud. Um, yeah, it was terrible. But it was all worth it. All the pain was worth it. And do you know what? It, it's, it wasn't even just about raising all the money. It was the pride and the achievement afterwards. It was something I've never felt before. Yeah. And as soon as I felt that, I was just like, I need to do this again. But I'm going to keep the Just Giving page up as well until the end of the year because I'm going to do maybe a, about another two or three challenges before the end of the year. And then I'll end it um, the last day of this year and then I'll start a new one and I'll start next year. And I'll continue to do these challenges. And it might not just be running. It might be because I'm starting to learn to Well, I know I to swim anyway, but swim for longer distances and just start doing loads of different challenges. And are you still bare-knuckle fighting as well? Are you really yeah, yeah. No, I'm still bare-knuckle fighting. Um, I've got two fights coming up. We don't know when the dates are yet, unfortunately, uh, on Spartan. Spartan BK Fight Club in Newcastle. I'm fighting for a lightweight title, and then I'm fighting a 40 pro boxing Fight veteran, and <laughs> he's very, very good. <laughs> and no, and the thing was, the promoter came up to me and he said, "No one's going to fight this guy." And I was like, "I'll fight him. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'll fight him. I'll fight anyone. I don't care." Um, but yeah, so yeah, got two burn up fights as well. But yeah, I'm still burn up fighting, and I still do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well. Um, I still do grappling tournaments, so I do that on the side as well, as well as working full time. So, Aaron, uh, I've got a wee question for you, mate. Um, uh, I'll try and I'll try and speak as um, as uh, politely as possible because uh, I've got quite a strong Glaswegian accent and quite difficult to understand sometimes. But one Don't question: um, so this I, I work a lot with kids, right, who are going through some really challenging times. 
Uh, they, they're going through things like hardships, some of the things you went through. Um, if if you were a kid, you'd probably want the kids that I worked with, and it's some of the, a lot of the stuff, most of it's stuff that I've experienced as well. Um, and I was speaking to, I, I, I speak a lot with psychologists and counsellors and stuff like that because of the nature of work. And they always, they always speak about this concept of resilience. And one of the, the concepts, it's like, they always want to like capture this concept and put it in a jar. And it's almost like a magic, like a, like this magic thing. But it's so powerful and it's, it's, it's so magic to them for a reason. But it's, it's something that we all strive to uh, attain. And do you think, obviously with trauma and stuff like that and things you go through in your life, they can make you or they can break you. What do you think it is about you that really that, where that resilience came from? Because you, you obviously went to a point where you, were, you, you felt you couldn't continue with your life anymore. But then off the back of that, you've really, you've really bounced back. Do you think that your experiences in life, your traumatic experiences, have where experiences that you've used to bounce back for this and, and then channel that into something positive? A million, you... yeah, um, a million percent. I mean, when I was stood at the bridge that time, there was a bridge I tried to jump off. Still doing it, I said, well, I've got, I've got two choices here. I could be another victim, you know, I could be another name. I could be everyone putting recipes on Facebook or I can turn this around and make it a positive and try and change other people's lives <laughs> and that was the turning point for me it was that I wanted to change other people's life it didn't even feel like oh like it, I wanted to do it like I'm so passionate about it I wake up every morning and all I want to do is start helping people I've got I have so many people that message me now um, who have never opened up before and they tell me how inspired they are by me um, not even just mental health wise, just to get up off the couch and exercise. Do you know what I mean? To just inspire in so many different ways. And I must have had at least 100 messages here, not, not just off people I know, um, just off completely random people. And they'll message me and they'll tell me what, you know, how much I've inspired them um, to be a better person and not to do certain things, you know. And, and, and that for me, I'm happy with just helping one person, but helping 100 people, that's even better. You know what I mean? I'm satisfied with one, but 100 even better. If I can start helping thousands, even better. That's amazing. And like all of the physical activity that you do is obviously intrinsically linked to mental health as well as physical health. And David, I know that you're trying to campaign at the moment to, to get gyms to reopen. And Glenn, we had a big conversation about this yesterday, but... You're outraged, aren't you, David, that the pubs have opened before gyms? Totally. I don't think it's any surprise to uh, any anybody that I'm uh, vocalising my my, uh, my outrage at it. Like, I, I mean, I could be quite opinionated anyway sometimes, and I know what I'm like, but in this particular situation, um, I think it's quite unified. Uh, everybody's quite unified in that. Now, in terms of mental health, right, so business aside, it obviously directly affects my business, right? So I own a gym and I work in schools and stuff like that, right? But but that aside, we're going to be okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, massively bothered about the business because we're going to be all right. We've got a good relationship with a landlord. My wife's my business partner. We're always working. We're collaborating together. We've got an amazing team. People who support us, people who help us will be fine. 
But one thing that, that really, it, and it's, it's, it's probably, I'd say, a frustration that has continued and probably been um, uh, inflamed to a degree and because of the things I've seen, is the impact the current, the current situation is having on people's mental health. Now, obviously that's going to happen, right? We're all in lockdown. We also have other stuff going on in our lives, and this will lean, um, this will lean pressure on those, those weaknesses, that are already maybe there in our minds and our bodies and our, our, our home's health, our business health, our, our relationship health, all these kind of things. And it is uh, the thing that really, really annoyed me is the decision, obviously, to open pubs before gyms. Now, when this, this campaign first started, we were one of the first gyms in uh, Scotland to close. I think we were the second one to close, um, I think it was um, uh, Connection Gracie there, the, the first one to close actually. We'd made the decision on the same day, but we couldn't implement it straight away because there was some mm -hmm. technical things with that to, to go along, logistics are on the business. But anyway, so that, and, and all the other gyms are united in that in Scotland, but most of them closed straight away, straight after that, like the same day or the day after, they were pretty united in that. So we all made these huge sacrifices on our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our health, our physical and mental health and well-being, we, uh, we, the physical and mental health and well-being of others. And that's because a message was put out that uh, we were to make these sacrifices to save the NHS and save lives because we were worried about the NHS collapsing. And I have a lot of friends who are doctors, um, people who are public uh, on the front line, public service, stuff like that. And when I made that decision, I made it with their well-being at the forefront of that decision because we have a lot of people who train with us, nurses, doctors, you name it. So you guys will understand that within this community. It's very diverse. So as lockdown obviously began to ease, we were given them from given the yeah, I can see your wee one in the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when this when this came up, I was I was angry, and then after that, I, I'd heard stories. So one of my friends, she's a nurse in in e, she lives in the same community as me. So last weekend, it was the the week the weekend followed after the announcement on the Thursday about the, obviously politics is slightly different in Scotland. Um, we it was announced that they're going to open pubs, but it was the same. It was the same decision that was made in, in down south in terms of opening the pubs before gyms. And she told me that they had seen about ten people in A and E who tried to take their own life. Right, and I'm not going to get into the details of this, um, but ten people right in one night. Now that is the highest number she has ever seen in any ward in Glasgow and she's been a nurse for a long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So highest number she's ever seen. Okay. Now the ICU wards weren't that bad in Glasgow. I think we've done a really good job in Scotland. It's terrible. People have lost their lives to this or been affected by it. Yeah. Um, my heart my heart really goes out to them. Um and I think we've done a, a decent job within our community in Glasgow and Scotland, stuff like that. But to then make the decision that we can get we can open pubs before gyms like that affects the health and well-being of my community that affects the health and well-being of my friends my family on uh, last week i was out walking my dog with my son last friday right 
And um, I'm sorry, Aaron, because this might be be a wee bit close to home to you, mate. So um, we witnessed a guy try to throw himself off a bridge. And my son was there, and that guy, he'd, he'd been drinking. It was his mates that saved him. They ran, they ran off to, to help him. And if it wasn't for his mates, he wouldn't be here just now. Uh, and with my son witnessing that, he would have been traumatised. Now, when I was his age, when I was his age, I witnessed, I'd seen someone throw himself off a, 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 high, um, a high flat. And it was a mess, do you know what I mean? Like, I was really traumatised by that. And uh, and it's something I always think about. It's something that really stuck with me. But to actually see these things happen, you can get all the statistics you want, right? So you can get all the statistics and gather the figures and you can mould them and frame them any way you want. But I can see with my eyes that people are struggling just now, okay? Yeah. People are really, really, really struggling. And this was even before... Uh, COVID happened, like the, the lockdown happened, that we're hearing stories. I've had people outreaching contact me, asking for help. They're at the lowest point and they want to maybe hurt themselves or, or do something else. And and I'm happy to be there for that support network for them. But I don't have, the only resources I have is to pick up the phone and call them. Maybe do a, a, a Zoom session now. We can maybe, I'll, I'll go and, like, I've been coaching people over the, uh, the last, I'd say, I set out as this project. It was twenty-five uh, days of random acts of kindness, and I've been targeting people and saying, "Right, I'm going to train you," or just loads of wee things every day. And it was to help benefit, improve people's mental health, myself included. Because for me, when you're kind to people, it makes you feel good, and um, and it helps them feel good, and it's just a positive experience. So, um, what I've actually started doing is, uh, I started like started putting pressure particularly on the the Scottish government to 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 give us reasons as to why they have made this decision. Once they give us reasons, I'd then like to figure out how we go forward in terms of resolving it. Because this isn't just an issue that's happening just now. It's going to come up again in a slightly um, similar way or it could be a different way. But I just I, I just feel like I just feel like we've been, I just feel like we've been shot on. I think we've been screwed over by the government on this one, and they've not even gave us any reasons. It's just like, right, pubs are open. It's adding fuel to a fire, right? So it's simmering just now, and things are gradually yeah. getting better. Then it's like, imagine it's just embers glowing, and then it's like, here's a canister of petrol. Let's pour it on and re- relight that fire. And I, I believe in certain parts uh, of the country, it's herd immunity. And that would be okay if, if that was communicated. But I just feel it's like, it's kind of like, like, here's the situation. This is how you deal with it. And it's, it's like, and, and the rule, I, I just feel the rules were quite unfair with that one. And the reason being is people's health, physical health, mental health. And anybody, and, and here I'm sure can relate to that. I'm sure um, training's been a way for you to develop yourself physically, mentally. Um, I know always I've done a, done a bit of training to different levels and I, I I just I just want to know the reasons why and if there's no good reason other than, than money then that's that's no good enough for me basically yeah. I think obviously the economy has to Div, 
Unfortunately, yeah. in my opinion, they've put they've put the profit before the people. It's as simple totally. as that. I, I agree with you, Glenn. It's because, like, you look down here, and all right, um, gyms who have applied for elite status, okay? I understand mm. these people make a living from training, they make a living from fighting or whatever. Um, it was, it's a great concept. They've got four training partners. That's all they can train mm. with um, for the duration. If one doesn't turn up, then they train with three. Why can't they do mm. our with other or whatever as well? Why can't they stagger classes? I'm, I'm sure people will go to class for, you know, for, yeah. I, I 100% go. If, if I got to go early in the morning with my, with my three other people to train for yeah. half hour, it's half hour I didn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, totally. and, and they've, they've got to start somewhere now because literally, like Friday, I was bloody the, the trying to stay because trying to stay off a beer, trying to do something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you, it's only so much you can occupy your time with when you haven't got your favourite hobby. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's a totally. picture of a pub, a pub in Barnsley or something. And the, the police were called. There was 200 people in that pub. 200 people. It's not Hall Square as well. It's not Hall Square. It's dangerous, so Hall Square. Oh yeah, that was that was um, craziness last night. Well, yeah, I see. I seen that online. I see the hangers as well. Like, so I, I, anybody here knows a gym can be a controlled environment. You have an instructor, and everyone respects that instructor. Okay, the instructor go right. Here's how we're going to deliver the session. There's ways to do it for the general public where we can still social distance stuff like that. Obviously, Glenn was talking about elite athletes, and they have to train in close contact in order to itself career. Um, but like there is other ways to structure it that doesn't have to be like that as well. Now, yeah. a, a pub is not a controlled environment, right? If you're in a pub, you know it's like you have a drink, your discipline goes down before you know it, you're all munching at a kebab, people are trying to have sex with each other, like whatever, man. Like it's it's it does there's, there's no there's no discipline and you can't control it. That's why like most most crime is most crime is committed under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Okay, exactly. um, a, a large majority of people who go A and E are either under the influence of drugs, and a lot of people go to hospital with long term illnesses. Particular, I know in Scotland the, the alcohol issue is quite bad. No, I like a beer, right? No, I, I've not got a pure big issue with with drink or even drugs, man. Like people want to take nice Peter. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like, enjoy a tennis, but that's <laughs> it. Like can do these things. Uh, you can you can do these things. Like even drugs. Like I'm not like anti drugs or anything like that. Uh, but one thing that, that, like I say, is like the decision for that is quite quite reckless, and I just feel our community has just been shot on. That's Every, everything's okay in moderation. That's what I said. The biggest yeah. argument for me, right, that they they put it pulled on our hearts saying save the NHS, do this, do that. They're not saving the NHS by pushing us back to pubs. It's as simple as that. They, they tried getting totally. us to jump on board for the NHS. Oh, now they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> now they say go back to pubs, cause riots, do we like? No, that, that's yeah. For me, for me, they proper contradicted themselves. I just, I, I, I see, just I, want to read out this comment to Aaron. Sorry, really quickly yeah. from Chris. Um, he said, "Well done, Aaron. I know you spent a bit of time in hospital when you became unwell, but where was your first port of call when you asked for help?" Uh, the police. The police came, um, took me to hospital, and it was probably the most embarrassing thing in my life. I had to walk into A and E. And go to the desk and say I just tried to commit suicide with a bunch of people as well that were wasted in A and E. I had to bring up the courage and say I've just tried to take my own life. And then from then on, they they said to me, if I left that hospital, um, the police will come and get me physically to drag me back into the hospital. Um, and then I waited 
I think it was 16 hours in the hospital uh, for a bed uh, at a mental health ward in Radbourne Unit in Derby. Waited 12, no, no, it was about 16 hours. I waited for a bed. Was there any part of you that thought about leaving? The hospital? Yeah. Yeah, I did do, actually. <laughs> I left for about an hour and a half because uh, I tried to walk. because so I was that desperate for help. Um, I was literally waiting mostly for transport to take me. Um, I was that desperate to get help. I tried to walk to the hospital, which was a three-hour walk to, to, the, to the mental health unit. And then I got a phone call and said, off the police, and said, if I don't walk back now, she was deadly serious. If I don't walk back now, she's going to come and get me. I'm going to get police to drag me back into the hospital. Um, so I was like, I can even get dragged back in or I can just turn back. <laughs> so I decided to turn back. And do you know what? Even it, it's, I'm not even embarrassed by it anymore at all. I'm not embarrassed by it anymore at all. Mm. I used to be. And now I'm just like, just because I've had mental health problems in the past doesn't mean I'm going to get an axe and come through your door and scream, here's Johnny. Do you know what I mean? I'm, 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 completely, I'm a completely normal human being. Um, I just had a small blip in my life and I've had wounds, which I'm completely healing. Um, but I know I'll never, ever put myself in that situation again because I know how to avoid it. So I'm, I'm glad you're not... Sorry, sorry I need to go, okay. I was uh, just so going to say... I'm... <laughs> so Aaron see see like when you when this had happened like was it quite an automatic like was it quite an automated thing where because I've, I've had a, a, an experience like like that but was it quite a, an automated thing or was it just a very decisive it was a very like, euphoric thing that's what it was when I, when, when, I, when I stood at that bridge um, it was euphoric feeling this is what people I've got a different between thinking about suicide and then wanting to do it. When I got to that bridge, I was looking there and I was like, it felt good. It felt like everything was going to end and I wasn't going to have all this pain anymore. I wasn't going to have, my mom was going to be a million miles an hour all the time anymore. Um, it wasn't, oh, I'm scared to do this because I wasn't. <laughs> At that yeah. point, I, I had no fear in my system. It was just, I yeah. wanted to do this. I wanted to end it. Yeah. I, th I think people who, um, who talk about it and admit about thinking about it are the ones who sh shouldn't be worrying about because um, for me, when I told my friends that I've always thought about it, they couldn't believe it. But like, yeah, it's always a thought, but it's never going to be an option. Even though it's in my head, uh, you know, when the times have been tough and stuff, I'm never yeah. going to do it because I'm too strong because I'm going to come my two boys to think about. But totally. it's always in the back of your mind as an option. I mean, the biggest inspiration for me was Tyson Fury's book. I was reading that book and I never stopped so many times because I could relate to so many things in that book that he was saying, you know, that and that, that it just sort of hit home. I just put the book down and walk off, I'd be upset because everything he was saying in that book I was relating to. Yeah. And you know, like for me, I mean, it never happened, I'd never do it, but it's this like always in the back of your mind. It's always, always, yeah. It's what a doctor said to me actually. He said to me, um, he said, most people will think about it. Most people will think about suicide and the ways they might do it and stuff like that, but most, obviously, 99% of people won't act on it. It's just a thought, a thought process. So, and so, Aaron, I've, I've, had a, I've had a couple of near-death experiences in my life, right? So, um, I've, I've, been, I've been stabbed, right? I was stabbed in the neck and the head and stuff like that and a, lot, a few different things, but one, one uh, near-death experience that came to me um, was actually in a, an MMA fight, so uh, I was I was fighting Paul Cook, 
and it was a British title fight on Made for the Cage. Now, what happened is it was very back and forth fight, man. Me and Paul were going for it, and Paul's a really uh, he's a, a tough guy. A, he's a tough guy. He's a super athlete, man. And I've got a lot of respect for him. And it was I had him. He, he had me. I actually had him in a heel hook, and his his knee was popping, man. And he was he was he Can was, hear it he crunch. Was, I could hear it crunch, and he was he was like he was biting down his gum shield and 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 roaring, man. But he was he wasn't tapping for anything. And I'm like that as well. Like so, it ends up I had his back, and then he got my back, and it was weird, man. Like he got the he got the 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 real naked choke in, and he never got the hooks in. And I was like, like this is cool, man. Like like usually it's like get the hooks in, then but he's so strong, right? Like I'm like, oh wait a minute, he's got this here. So I'm trying to roll out, and I roll belly down, so the ref can't see me. And the next thing I know, like. Yeah, I said, this is going to sound crazy, right? But this is what happened, right? Next thing I know, I'm on a train, right? So I'm on this train, right? And it's like, there's these people with me. There's like two, I think it was one person with me, right? And I recognise him. He was, a, he was a childhood friend. He's actually no longer with us. And like the rhythm of the train was like, doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. And like the sunset, I don't know if it was, it was sunset or it was, or it was dawn, right? But it was like, just the sun was like just sitting. It was like I was going through the Swiss Alps, but time didn't exist, right? There was no time, and the fabric of the place was just made of pure love. It was amazing. It was it was like I didn't want to leave it. I was felt so comfortable there uh, with this noise, and it was just. And I was going somewhere. Obviously, I was going to a, a place that was that was even better than that place. But the fabric, euphoric. Was, yeah, it was euphoric. euphoric. It's as euphoric as like. To imagine, and that's what I'm talking about, like with your experience as well. So, but what I'm going to get to, so ends up uh, the 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 dream or the vision or whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, like it started like to like break down and bits it were taken out, and it it was like a reset. So I was I was in the cage, right, and I I woke up and I'd, it wasn't I didn't know who I was, I didn't know what I was, okay. Paul had choked me to the point where he like, killed me, right? And I, it was like, see when your computer breaks down and it goes to like DOS, it's like the blue screen. That's kind of what it felt like. So I didn't blue know what I was. Yeah, basically. So I was like, I didn't know what I was. So I'm in a cage and everything's come back and I'm like, right, okay, I'm a person. This is, who am I? So then I figured out, like, okay, right, I'm David. And I went, I turned around to the paramedic and I said, I want to go back on the train. I don't want to be here because... The smell of the place, it was volatile. People were like there to see a fight. Like, the, you know, it was like it was quite a hostile environment. Even the smell of it, like, everything was out. I'm like, I really, really, don't, I was like, I was resetting. I didn't like this place. And I went, I don't want to be here. And then I remembered my dad and I went, that's why I can't leave just now. That's why I cannot leave this planet just now. My purpose is to be here for my son. So, and that's your man. And yeah, that's the power of the man. Totally, it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. I'll never forget it. But I had a difficult spot probably about two years ago. Um, I was going through some really difficult times. My gym got flooded. I had some severe personal issues in my family that affected me and my very close personal family. And I remember one day I was I was at the doctors and I was looking for help. And unfortunately, I the. The, the doctor maybe didn't see the signs and she was a little bit abrupt and I really couldn't deal with it. And 
she, she just she just missed it. She just totally misgazed it. So I walked out. So I, I remember walking out and there was a car coming and I've just went I've just went like that to myself. I'm just going to walk right in front of that car, but it was very quite automatic. But I'd had things like that before and it was like I was almost excited to go back to that place. I was sitting thinking about it and I was like, that that place is amazing. I was I was thinking about going back to that that place that I visited when like in that near death experience. And but at that time, and this is this is probably if anybody ever gets to that point, that's where my training kicked in. And one of the times when it happened, I just I jumped on my bike, I went straight to the gym and I started punching the bag. I just didn't think about it. I got there as fast as I could. As soon as that thought came up, I think Glenn spoke about that. The thoughts come, it's like, right, okay, that this is what I need to do here. Uh, and my, my, that's when my, my training kicked in. But after, when all this was going on, just when I thought when things couldn't get worse, uh, I was really probably the worst point in my, my life, one of the worst points. I got a phone call that my mum had died in the middle of the night quite suddenly. And then it was like, no, things can get a hell of a lot worse. And I think at that point, it was weird. It kind of shifted my rhythm a bit. And, and, and again, it was like a resetting point. And it actually didn't make me feel like I wanted to do that anymore. It actually done the complete opposite and made me feel like, you know, I, I need to be here. I've got family who really need me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, I could totally see where you were at with the euphoria thing. And the obviously I wasn't in your shoes, but like even the things younger that happened, like I, I, I lost about, I, could, I couldn't count in both hands how many people I've lost in my life, like 18 people or something like that. Through drugs, drink, getting running over with cars, some of them drowned in the canal, like kids, do you know what I mean? Like people I was brought up with, childhood friends. And these things do affect you. I don't care what anybody says. But I think like to actually get through that and like get into an adult life and 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 it makes you want to help people. And I think that's when I'm coming at with the government as well. I think they're so detached from that reality of communities that they they really struggle to comprehend what it's like to see someone suffer like that from such a young age and how that then impacts their, their adult life. Not even just that, with the doctors, you're saying with the doctors, the thing is mental health is so underfunded, it's unreal. And I yeah. knew this, and I know this firsthand from being in the hospital because there were people that really wasn't well, but they had, they had, to, they had to let them go, basically, because yeah. they had other people they needed to bring in. And the thing is with doctors, it's so easy to throw people on medication and then they'll say, right, we'll refer you to therapy. And then you look at it waiting 12 weeks, three months, yeah. sometimes six months. Do you know what I mean? It's just it, the, the amount of time. And that's why I think it's re- very important. And I say this a lot to people. It's just because you go in looking for help doesn't mean a red carpet's rolled out for you because it's not. Yeah. Don't forget, 99% of the time when you're not in the doctors, you're on your own or etc you're always your own in this that's why i think it's so important to look after your mental health and as david was saying the things with the pubs etc we all know pubs are depressants anyway i mean a drink is depressant anyway and it makes you and it, like he said most people act when they've been drinking um so i think it's such a daft decision and i agree totally agree with david that they've opened the pubs first because i think last night was an, a prime example of why the pubs should not have been opened yet yeah, yeah. 
I think for me as well, going to. I think with the doctors as well, unfortunately, as, as good as the NHS is doing a good job, um, I went to the doctor at the beginning of the year, and I think they treat you like um, rather than looking at the person and dealing with the person, they just look at you to tick boxes and get you up there. Because unfortunately, keeping putting you as a problem puts more pressure on them. I mean, like, she asked me questions, and if I'm honest, I told her a pack of lies because I told her what she wanted to do, and she was happy to give me thumbs up and left. And then I went, yeah. I told my brother about stuff, and then he deferred me to mine then. But um, the, as far as doctors go, they were just happy for me, by me saying yes or no, so they, they, they didn't care as long as they ticked their boxes and got me out there. You know, they, 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 didn't really, they didn't really speak to the person. They, they, they just wanted that paper ticked and gone. Yeah, and Al Al Hennig's got um got a comment, quite a long one. Here's to you, David. He was he was at the fight, got the bus down with Big Callum Hunter. I was screaming that you were out. Quite a hard thing to watch. Could see that you were having convulsions. After that, I didn't see much because I was standing next to Cook's family and told his sister to have some respect. Then she jabbed me about ten times. <laughs> you can see you're a stronger person than what you were at the closing of your fighting career, and it shows with what you're doing and giving back to the MMA community. Oh, that's that's really kind words, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm lost for words for that. So that was really really kind of them. So thanks for the the really nice words, man. I really appreciate it. And then Josh, I think, is just uh, off, off topic, oi, oi. Davey. Has <laughs> this virus made an impact on your gym staying open? As I know you've got a fairly new premises back in England now, so I haven't really kept up with everyone. Well, as we said, you were one of the first gyms to, to shut. Hi to Josh, by the way. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to England. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, you're still closed at the moment. But I've seen yeah, but, that you've got all the social distancing kind of thing planned out for if you need yeah, to be open that way. I think we're winging it. It could change tomorrow. It could be like, yeah. like social distancing isn't a thing now. So, um, But the thing is, the way we look at it, these are things we were going to do anyway. So we had to do all these things. Now that we're closed, we might as well do it. Um, yes, it will affect our business. But in terms of the actual behind-the-scenes stuff, we are working really, really hard on that. We're pretty strong there. I think what it is affecting is the people within the business are fret. I mean, we could train, so I could, I could get exposure to 300 people a day, right? And that's between schools and the gym. So that's 300 people's lives that we're impacting. That's 300 people who are impacting our lives as well. Most yeah. of it's po positive. And it just so happens that we punch, kick and strangle each other and we find that fun because that's what we're designed to do. <laughs> um, ultimately, like, to know like. <laughs> totally. And that's what, con that's what connects us. And yeah. that that's really the biggest impact. The thing that's most difficult for me is... Greg, I've got a question for you both. Do you find it easier now talking to other people over the last few years? I mean, three or four years ago, wasn't you, off talking to friends on mental health and about what you think about suicide? Like you said, Aaron, the amount of messages now you have of people, I, my inbox is full of people checking on me, me checking on other boys, all big, hard, tough men. I mean, there's a, a few fighters down my area who have been open about it, and because they've been able to talk about it, so have we. So do you find this easier to message your friends now and check that they're okay and be open about yourself? I'll let David go first. 
Oh, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, about, uh, probably about five years ago, it's like if you spoke about mental health, it meant you were mad. So that was, and for guys, it was like or looking mental for attention. Uh, you, you, does that mean you're a psycho or and all this kind of chat? Like, that's the kind of stuff that, that went around. Now, my, my wife, when she, my wife was really at the forefront of a mental health campaign before it was even really spoken about. Uh, don't, my wife has intrusive thinking OCD and we didn't know she had at the time, but we knew something wasn't right. And she led a big campaign for uh, for mental health. And I'm like, mental health? I was like, I was dead scared to talk about it because I was like, that must mean like, if I speak about that, like I'm mental, do you know what I mean? Like that's how uneducated I was on it. So the last five or six years, mm-hmm. I actually I like, dedicated my life, that large chunk it, to like learning about psychology. And a big part of that was to help myself and help my wife and understand what was going on. And I started to notice all the conversations People talk about it a lot now, and they should. Mm. I think it's a great thing because even even today, like today, we were. I spoke with my wife, and I was like, I was having quite a difficult day, and so was she. And it was good just talking about stuff, and like none of it really mattered. It was mostly about how I was feeling and how she was feeling. And it's like stuff like I basically I say to her that she was annoying me, <laughs> and she always tells me <laughs> that I annoy her. And I was like, and I just got it off my chest, and I'm like. I'm really glad I said that. I'm like, it's not that you're done. You're just annoying me because it's because of the way I'm feeling. I'm grumpy just now. I'm angry. I'm angry at the government. <laughs> like, but you're not doing it wrong. I'm just, I'm just annoyed at you. So it really helps have these type of conversations. And uh, I think uh, you're on the money there, Glenn. Big time. People talk about it more and talk. And one thing I really like about Aaron's doing is he is promoting talking about it, and he's actually yeah. leading by example. He's going. Get up, get out and walk, man. Get outside, go and do something. Get yourself a goal. Yeah. Set yourself a goal and try and achieve that. Like, so, Aaron, that's that's probably what you should you should take off. Thank you. Well, I, I don't always think it's about. Obviously, there was stigma about it a couple of years ago. I think people are finally realizing how serious it is. I don't think people realized a couple of years ago how serious it was, and now everything's at the forefront. You hear about. Friends closer to home taking their own life. People are realising how serious mental health is now. Um, I will give some advice in the sense of... Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. Oh, what was it now I was going to say? Just give me a minute. Um, I feel a lot of the time as well, people don't know the difference between a hangover or a come down and a mental health. So as yeah, soon as totally. they realise that, the, the difference, I think they can get it up themselves. I mean, like... You know, everyone has a bad day when they're hungover or they've been on, on all weekend drinking and a few days later they're bad. Mm-hmm. It's when you haven't been drinking, you haven't done anything wrong for a few weeks and then you have a bad day. That's when you need to start talking about it. Right, well, it's come back to me now. I just had a complete yeah. Um, blip. Yeah, one thing, well, one thing I've started to do is and I'll spend about 20, 30 minutes a day just ringing friends. Just spend 20, 30 minutes a day ringing friends. It can be a chat for one minute, for two minutes, three, four, five. And that can change somebody's day because then they're going to put the phone down and think, do you know what? Someone actually cares about me. And yeah, that's how a lot of people end up in this deep hole, feeling like people don't care about them. And if friends, if we just rang each other more, it, it, the messages is okay, but it's not the same as someone physically hearing somebody's voice. It's easy to message someone. It's an everyday thing, but nobody rings each other anymore. If you just spend 20, 30 minutes of your day, all my friends who are watching this know I do this anyway. 
and I'll ring them. And I, I, even if they don't pick up first time, I might ring them again later on and they'll end up with like five missed calls in the day from me. But <laughs> it, it, it's 20, 30 minutes at your day and that's it. It's a two-minute phone call. Do you know why you're on your break at work or why you've got two minutes or why you sat in the toilet or something? You know, obviously just ring your mailmates if you sat in the toilet. But yeah, and another thing that I do is as well is, and I think one of the biggest things is, if you're feeling down and you're struggling, don't ever beat yourself up about it. Because if you beat yourself up about feeling down, you'll feel 10 times worse. If you sit there and say to yourself, why am I feeling like this? And you start beating yourself up and you start feeling horrible about yourself. Just sit there and say to yourself, it's okay. It's okay for me to feel down because it's normal. It's completely normal. And yeah, I'm so happy right now. Don't get me wrong, but I still have my moments, but I will get through it quicker. Is that I'll sit down to myself and say, this is okay. I can forgive yeah. myself for feeling down. It's absolutely fine. And it'll pass so much quicker instead of just beating myself up and just ending up in a vicious circle all the time, saying, why am I feeling like this? I'm sick of feeling like this. Or what I do, if I start feeling crap, I'll break everything down in my life and think, maybe it's that that's making me feel like crap. Maybe maybe it's a certain friend. I've lo- I'll be honest with you now, I've lost a couple of close friends since I've come out of hospital. Just, just because I've shut them out my life, just because of the, of the way they've been with the negativity and things like that. I've not wanted to do it, but I felt happier when I make my life. It's not me, me, me being nasty. It's me looking after my own mental health. And if I'm not surrounded by positive people, and you know, I, I think a, a positive circle will help you tenfold. If you've got negative people in your life who will constantly say negative things all the time, it's just going to bring you down with them. Yeah. Aaron, can I ask you about the meditation as well? You said yeah. you did that. Um, it was something that I did when I was training for my fight, um, just like visualisation and stuff, and just like to, to make me calm and help me sleep as well. I've always had issues with sleeping. But tell, tell us what you do and, and how you do it and how long it takes and that kind of thing. I actually don't do it for long because... Um... <sighs> I've got to create, I still, you know, I, I like, I'm 100 miles an hour all the time. So I manage five, 10 minutes a day and I'll just sit down and I'll just blank every single sound and I might put some rainwater on YouTube, you know, just something very relaxing. And I'll sit there in whatever position I feel most comfortable in. Um, and I'll sit there and I'll just close my eyes for five, 10 minutes and draw everything out my mind and just be in the moment kind of thing. Yeah, it's so another move thing. To Wales, I know enough to put rainwater on YouTube, eh? There's <laughs> <laughs> another thing people didn't really used to do, or if they did do it, they didn't used to talk about it. And I just think that's an interesting tool. I do, I, yeah, I, I, as well. I do as well. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, obviously yeah. I started to run. Uh, one of the main things with running is you've got to stretch. You have to stretch. If you don't, you, you'll just end up crippled by the time you're 40. Well, especially if you want to do jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah, obviously. That's the reason I've done yoga before, yoga and jiu-jitsu. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoy yoga as well. I do it at home at the moment. Uh, quite a lot quite a lot of girl things I do, to be honest. <laughs> Only recently but, I've started seeing the importance of stretching. I, I'm, yeah. my, 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 my back is uh, starting to take its toll on using or stretching, I think, on my armstrings. Yeah. But, yeah, this is really I re- I re- when After doing these marathons, I realised how many injuries I actually had. <laughs> um, honestly I did I've done so many little niggles especially my lower back as well um, and now I stretch for about an hour a day every night um, probably after this podcast I'll just stretch for an hour and I'll feel so much better 
I ain't that, that long yet. About 10 minutes after every training session, I've been just, just my lower half, basically. Well, I, I'm so, planning on doing things like ultra running and stuff, like ultra marathons, and I've been mm. looking at 24-hour races and 100-mile races and stuff like that. So, obviously, that's what I'm building myself up to. So, you said you're bare knuckle fighting, but uh, I've fought there with me then. No, I've not fought there I've, I've trained there for a while, for yeah. a long time. Um, but I've, I've, tr- I've competed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in tournaments um, and events. And I've also I've also helped run events as well. Um, I was a part of UK Fighting Championships in Preston for four years, uh, from 2015 to 2019. Um, and then one of the guys, Rob Freeman, who I used to work with, UK Fighting Championships, he, he actually approached me, and it's so crazy. And this has made me feel like that. There's no stigma towards it. The second day I was in hospital, Rob Freeman rang me, and he said, Aaron, I want you on my new show. And I was like, I was like, okay, let's do it. Why not? So we were supposed to have a, a first show actually last week um, at the 27th of June. Obviously, we couldn't with the COVID, etc. So we're still waiting to do our debut show, which will be in Blackburn. Hopefully, later this year, we can get one out. Like, I didn't realise to this lockdown how dependent I've become on MMA and Jiu-Jitsu for my mental health, yeah. honest to God. But I'm at the crossroads now where I, I need a hobby. I'm either going to find another hobby and not go back to it, or I need to start yeah. doing it again. I'm in the middle of doing my garage out the match, just so I can beat somebody up in my garage. <laughs> it's, it's, it's come that bad. Like, or I'm debating going to Tesco and pinching a loaf of bread off somebody just have a scratch. It's becoming that bad now. Yeah. I totally get that. I was saying that to uh, my wife the other day. I'm like, I'm driving. Like, I was uh, somebody cut in front of me, and I'm like, I hope he gets hit. Like, I hope he gets out of the car. And I'm like, I know that's not, but it's just because I'm not like that when I'm training. Like, if I, I feel like choking people all day and like punching each other in the <laughs> face. Like, you, you normally be like, ah, ah, he's having a bad day. Like, how's it going, man? Like, uh, probably give him like an invite to the gym and be like, here, man, come to a class. But I totally, uh, I think it's. I think like the good thing about combat sports, it keeps that side of you at, at bay uh, because yeah, you're getting that, that 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 release. <clears throat> and um, I'm a great believer that we all have that that side to us. And I think a lot of like fighters, people who fight, they can got to be a bit of a dark side to them. But I think if you're if you're if you're playing with that in a controlled environment where everybody is consensual, everybody consents to it, and you're all playing, it's like there's there's no need for it. Um, and it was one of the big reasons I got into martial arts. Like, I was really angry. Like, I was a really, really bad place, man. Like, I was, when I got, after I got stabbed, man, like, I was, I was like a man on fire. Like, I, that's how I dedicated myself to MMA. And I just, I, the, the buzz I got for fighting was just like, it was just like nothing else. Like, and I just channeled that anger into it. So, um, as I'm 35 now and I'm 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 getting getting a bit older, and my body's as somebody's mentioned, my back's getting a bit sore with a few things. Like I know there's going to be a day where I, I might not be able to do that to the same way that I enjoy. But um, in the meantime, for me just now, martial arts and training is a big way to is a big way for me to manage that side of me. And um, hopefully, I'll just mellow through through January. Um, Not only so, the training, the socialising as well, isn't it? I mean, no, well, I yeah, totally. friends in MMA and and PJ also. But, yeah. So there's a so there's a so a lot of this is to do with like actual cognitive um, development. So like your brain like gets developed through like playing games and sports and stuff like that. That's why like 
we've got a lot of community projects encourage it as well. So it's like actual like like science to that, but social learning has been proven uh, and studied to actually enhance your cognitive ability. So the brain cell production actually enhances through forms of social learning. So that's not sitting at a table with your head in a book. That's sitting in a group of people sharing ideas. And the same as a, like a rugby team as well, then. Totally, aye. So anything that's a social learning, it's so. So a lot of it, obviously, like I said, I work in schools. Like, the, the, we'll try to look at different ways and different approaches. And I've done a lot of research in this. So when you're in a social learning environment, actually, as a kid and as a young person, it helps develop your prefrontal cortex, which is a part of the brain which is responsible for um, logical thinking. But they, they actually noticed that there was a substantial amount of brain cell production happening when there's forms of social learning so there's no doubt about that that it's going to have an, a positive impact on your mental health if your cognitive hardwire hardwiring is actually improving like yeah. it's not just like i feel better it's like your brain is actually developing and is more resilient to challenges through not only social learning through the, through the other aspect into it as well that not only you're learning new skills but you are in a joint venture with other people aiming towards a common purpose whilst exercising and you're getting endorphins and you're getting the, all the good hormone release into your brain and you're developing your body physically as well like it's such a good thing like and and that's i think well i think psychiatrists and doctors know this that physical exercise for me i'm really biased it's it's mixed martial it's martial arts um, is, uh, is better in most cases than prescribing pills. And medication really has its place. Please don't think I'm stigmatising it. It's a very, very um, useful tool. It can be as a combination, but I do think that physical activity, particularly martial arts, is very, very underrated or undervalued um, in terms of how it's been rolled out within communities. But it's obvious, like, you see people when they're training, man, they're happy. Like, yeah, yeah. you can see it. Can I just say, uh, go on. No, go on, Aaron. Can I just say something quickly about medication, right? I'm on medication, and I still think there's a little bit of stigma around medication and things like that. Totally. Just because I take medication doesn't make me super happy all the time and blah, blah, blah. It just balances certain things out. That's all it does. I'm on a medication called Katiapine, which stops me from having my thoughts racing all the time and then I have surgery, which just calms me down a little bit. But I, I physically, like, mentally, I don't feel any different than I did before. But obviously, I, I just feel more balanced. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, that's helping That's helping me for now, but it's not helping me forever. This is why I'm trying so hard to do certain things. So yeah. within a year or two, I can come off all of this. This is just a temporary measure. And this is what people have got to... If, you, if people are on medication, uh, what you've got to understand is don't use it and think it's a life lifetime thing because doctors yeah. probably won't even let you be on it for a lifetime anyway you've got to try and fig fig figure things out to help yourself so you can come off the medication and improve your own mental health don't rely on something else a hundred percent um we've got a comment from james hamilton he's asked you both how much of an impact do you uh, do you feel social media plays in younger people's mental health especially because bullying is now 24-7 rather than res reserved to school times. Go on, David, I'll let you go first. 
it's really tough one. Like, I think I think with social media, I I think young people get a really tough time just now, man. Like, I think like a lot of adults will like to think, oh, the people are the kids of today are you know they they are undisciplined and this kind of stuff, and they get quite a hard time for it. But they live in a time that, for me, I wasn't really brought up around social media. So I don't know what that's like to be a kid in that environment. I can look as an adult from the outside in and be like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. But I've never been that kid. I Bullying, or the concept of bullying is, is very actually very normal. A lot of people do it, whether they want to admit it or not. And it's very normal for kids to do it. The... the, the the problem with social media is it's so quick and so easy to do it um, that I think it's just teaching kids how to equip themselves to, to deal with it because social media is cowboy country. It's like you can do anything you want pretty much mm. within, unless you're Aaron and you get banned for like 30 days for having two marathons. Uh, but there, there is very much social um social interaction is uh, is life or death for some kids so everything that a lot of kids do particularly around sport and stuff like that on social media and a lot of things adults do a lot of it revolves around your kind of social hierarchy as such there's actual animals like when they are detached from like um particular type of puffer fish when they're detached from their group they actually die and it's not because they go into the big bad ocean and there's other animals out there that can kill them. It's because they've been detached. It's so painful to be detached from your social groups that it can actually kill these these animals. And we actually have a part of our brain that's the same as these animals. We're connected to them. So social networking, if you want to call it bullying, um, is is very, very, very problematic and can be very damaging. Now, I don't know the statistics and, and all this kind of stuff, but one thing I know is it can be very harmful and very damaging. And I just think that kids need to be protected from social networking a bit more. And I'm guilty of it. I let, I let my son go on TikTok, stuff like that, and I, I'd watch it as closely as I can. But they do stuff on the fly, man. Like, of course they do. Like, yeah. I, I'd done stuff on the fly when I was a kid, man. Like, the, the, the stuff I got up to was was unbelievable, man. Like, and I'm sure <laughs> most of you could relate to that. But I, I, I don't have the answer to that one. I do recognise it's a big problem. Um, I think it's just dead easy to be like, name call, make socially exile people from groups, kicking someone out of group chat, that could be, that could be really a, like a, a painful experience for a child, man. Um, but that, that's uh, all I've really got to say on it. Um, yeah, it is a massive problem. <laughs> social media, I think as well with bullying, um, social media, it's easy to get away with it. It's easy to write it. I, I, don't, I just don't think the police or the teachers at schools are doing enough, and that's just my personal opinion. There's so many young children that take their own life because of bullying online. And it's mainly yeah. because of bullying online. Or you hear about kids who get beat up and it's being videoed and then everyone's sharing it thinking, oh, who are these scumbags? And they think they're doing a good thing by sharing it. And it's not. You're making it 10 times worse for that child because you're yeah. sharing it all around the world. That video of them getting beaten up and it makes them feel 10 times worse. You might be sharing it because you're raising awareness saying, we need to find out who these scumbags are, etc. But... In, in hindsight, you're not because now you've just raised the views maybe from a thousand and then a couple of days later, it's up to a million. 
Yeah. Imagine being that child at that age, realise there's a million people who've just seen you getting beaten up. Do you know what I mean? It's little things like that that impact on a child's uh, mental health. Can I answer this as well, yeah. Katie? Yeah, of course. So my view is, like, like you read their memes all the time, bullying is always going to be a thing, okay? Okay, we've got social media now, which is um, giving them a platform where they can be in a computer and pick on other types of children. Yeah, is the numbers have probably gone up. But on a, a part of me is thinking as well, was we blind to it before social media? Was it still happening? You've seen it's happening in schools. Don't think them kids are going to home and forget what's happening in school that day. Still going to be bullying in their heads. Still going to be thinking about it all day. You know, people yeah. still took their lives back in 10 years ago when social media wasn't as big as it was as, was, as, uh, as it is now. Um, plus, for every bully on social media, I think there's you still got people that want to look after them as well. So you've got a 12-year-old kid, say, he's been picked on by a 14-year-old kid. 16-year-old kid's going to see and he's going to go on over with that 14-year-old kid. That's what I think happens as well now. A lot of other people can talk about it. All right, it's not acceptable because it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But at least it's got a platform to help each other and, and look, 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 uh, look out for each other as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be honest, the term bullying, I don't really... I, I know it's a term well used, but it's not one that I really like. I think the reason I don't like it is because it can easily become a witch hunt and it can easily become... Like, I've looked at this really in-depth, like, really in-depth, and I, I have a decent understanding of it. Uh, and I, one thing I have I have noticed is bullying ha- the word bullying, bullying happens for many reasons, but one thing I do know about it is it can become that person's a bully, so we need to go for them, and, and it's like they are then branded as that. Now, that could just happen by somebody saying that they're a bully or they've been bullied by them, but really it's a social it's a, it's a social issue, particularly between kids. And obviously social networking is so, so convenient that they, they can do that anywhere. Um, the word bully uh, could be a trigger word for a lot of people as well. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen somebody be called a bully before and I fled up and I've gone off the handle for no reason. So, yeah, sometimes a different word is needed. Yeah. Perhaps, or, you know. At least you can block somebody in social media as well. You kind of do that at school, obviously. You can't, yeah, but you can't stop other people from seeing it. I think. Oh, but you can make new profiles as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We we probably don't even realize that, you know, like the full extent to, to what kids can go through. But, Peter, sorry, I missed a comment from Chris Gadden because I didn't want to, um, interrupt anyone but um he said that medication was a big help for him and i definitely think there's a a place for it a hundred percent it's just we don't want that to be the the only thing you know that doctors write a prescription and forget about people and like you said aaron a lot of it is having to help yourself and whether that's like exercise diet all the things you don't feel like doing when you're in a bad place, you know, like that's that's not what you feel like doing at all. Even getting out of bed and having a shower can be a major struggle. But I was listening to the Paul McKenna Positivity podcast this week and he was saying if people can even get out and walk for like 20 minutes, just make that your target and then just try and improve on it from there. Just you take the shake a- What's that? You clean doing you taking a shit? No, I will knock the oven off. I put a pie in the oven at nine o'clock. I think it'll be done by ten, but <laughs> probably <past> ten now. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, that was that was my two pence worth on it. Just you know, I I want to come to you all before we go and and find out, you know, just just I don't know. One last piece of advice, if you could just you know sum sum up something in a nutshell that you know a first step that someone could take or or just a piece of advice that you wish you'd known, you know, when you were going through a difficult time. Aaron, if I come to you first. Yeah, um, I'm going to give a little piece of advice because this happened a couple of weeks ago within my own little friend group. And um, I'm not going to name names. But um, his girlfriend had contacted me saying he he was wanting to kill himself early in the morning. So obviously I know a lot about mental health. So first thing I did, obviously she's contacted other people as well in our, in our friend group. So what I've done, I was in work at the time and I couldn't really deal with it. So I've rang a friend and said, look, I'll delegate this to you. and You're the only person who needs to source it right now. Don't have everybody messaging him at the same time because everybody messaging him at the same time, they'll feel overwhelmed. They'll feel 20 yeah. times worse. This was an issue with me. When people started to occur, yeah, it's fantastic. But when you're in that deep hole and you have a 20 million people messaging you and things like that, it makes you feel like you're a burden. You just need, and to be honest, you really just need one voice. You don't need 100 voices at once. And that's one thing I'll say if you're in a massive friends group and one of you one of them struggling, just delegate it to one person to have a nice little chat with them. Obviously obviously in the future you can turn around and say, you know, I'm always here for you, but have that one person to say, look, let's have let's have a big chat, just me and you on our own. Because people feel like feel like it's more intimate when it's just one on one rather yeah. than just having five friends and one person who's struggling, you know what I mean? Just feel mm. a little bit overwhelmed. But that's the advice I'd give. Yeah, good advice. Glenn? Um, so I'm going to go on the other side. I'm, I'm, I'm not one to give advice on this because I've still got an application for mine for a just to go and see a psychiatrist that I'm filled in because I'm going to balls to fill in myself. So I'll go on the flip side. If you see a friend who you think is acting out the character and isn't themselves, just let them know and give them a whisper in the ear that you're there for them. Ask them, is everything okay? <laughs> because sometimes I was saying things on purpose just for somebody to talk to me back before when I was having bad days. And now, like, and it's not so much a cry for help, but it's just for somebody to go, are you all right? You know, are you, yeah. you're going to be okay, mind you, you feel. That's all I, I, I need you sometimes. And, and I get it all the time now, and it helps so much. Just the message going, are you all right? Do I have okay? And, and you feel great? Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for asking. If you see a friend that you think is a character the character and a bit down, let them know you're there, uh, you're there from. Yeah. David? Um, probably say from personal experience, uh, if you're feeling down and you're in a bad place, uh, brush your teeth, have a shower, go for a walk. Um, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell your other half you love them and don't feel bad about it, man. Just very, very small. And if you can get to the gym and train, that's that could be quite a big step. So, like, I'd say, like, for me, it's like, Small steps, brush your teeth, go for a shower, put on some fresh clothes, like Glenn says, go and train, man. Like, that's it. A few small steps, and they, all these things can just alter your your frame of mind. And for me, today, I was, I was, I was having quite a difficult day, um, but I cleaned my car, and I had a shower, and I didn't get the opportunity to train today, but those made me feel better. They, that just altered my, my mental state. And these small things are self-care, so they can make a difference, in, in my opinion. So small things, because 
when you're feeling bad, you don't want to have a shower or look after yourself. It's like or these things. Can, yeah, these things can be a struggle. <laughs> like a, a big daunting task, man. But it's something that's. Yeah. It's almost like when you're doing that. It's like I feel to me, it's like I'm clearing out my mind as well. Um, yeah. So small things, I would say, one thing at a time. Peter, have you got anything you'd like to to add to yeah. that? Yeah, no, just like it says at the bottom of the screen, if you want to talk to somebody, either yeah. some other friends, a friend, a family member, uh, one of my friends, something bad happened to him, and then that led to much more bad luck. And for about two years, he was phoning <clears> me once a week, and we'd end up on the phone for hours, but I could tell, and he was actually planning his suicide right down. It was like he was planning a bank robbery. He knew exactly what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. And this one for about two years. Every time he got off the phone to me, I didn't know if he, I'd ever talk to him again. Uh, just now, recently, he's, he's in a much, much better place now. Things are looking up. He's got a job. He's looking for his own place now and all that. Everything's looking up. And he said to me, because he, he phoned me once a week, we'd be on the phone for 10 hours, 3 in the morning. I'd be up at work at 6. But I just, <laughs> felt, I had to, I just felt I had to talk to him. So if you're ever feeling down, feeling bad, feel like, you want to end it all, just talk to somebody. It doesn't matter. Any of you guys and anybody watching, message me if you want. I'm actually yeah, waiting on a sure. training course to work so I can be trained to deal with people at work with mental issues. Because of my union role, I've actually dealt with it already, but I'm not trained. So they're now going to send me on a course so I can help deal with people and all that. So I know exactly what to do if somebody does message me and they're in trouble. So talk to somebody. So in, in the beginning, I thought by talking to people, I was putting a burden on them. But when other people message me and ask me for help, I feel so much good knowing I've helped them. So yeah. don't think by reaching out to people, you're putting a burden on them. Yeah. They, they will be happy they've helped you as long as they can help. You know, whatever you do, you're not putting a burden on anyone. They will be happy to help you. And the other thing you guys might not realise is how much you're helping people just by being honest and telling people what you've gone through. People will look at you and see that you're, you're fighters, you're a bare-knuckle boxer, MMA fighters, and for you to admit that you, you've had these troubles, they're going to think it's okay for them to admit that they've had troubles. And like you said, Aaron, like you'd be happy to help just one person. And you know you've helped a hundred people that have told you. Imagine how many more people who haven't even messaged you. Like it. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life now. This is what I'll be doing for the rest of my life because this is what I want to do. This, this is what I enjoy. I enjoy helping people, so I'll do this for them till the day I die. Hmm. Oh, the I, reason I, I, I'm so easy to talk about it now is because of an MMA an MMA fighter from around you. It was a big name around you. He started talking about it. I'm like, well, if somebody as big and as hard as him can talk about it, why am I fucking everything up? You know, yeah. that's what made me so open about it. You know, that's when I chat to my friends about stuff. And yeah, that, it, it does work like that. I mean, if they, they can talk about it, why can't I? Totally. And you're doing the same thing now, passing that yeah. on. You know, somebody's looking at you and thinking the exact same thing. Um, yeah. So we've run over as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to everyone for keeping We've you run over and be sober. <laughs> I know. <laughs> An unusual show. <laughs> um, but it's thank you, everyone, for joining me. Aaron, thank you. your challenges are incredible. David, I think it's great what you're doing, trying to get the government to reopen gyms. Uh, I think everybody on this show is desperate for, for that to happen as soon as possible. 
So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining thank us. Thank you. And, yeah, next week. Well, it's been we'll brilliant listening to your stories. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much. And, uh, all the best for Hey, hey, hey.